So this is the last week of our Taylor Swift series. Um, and I, I don't know about you, it's been great. I have loved it. Um, just let me remind you, we're not trying to make you fans of Taylor Swift, not trying to encourage you to buy her music, not trying to encourage your kids to dye their hair red. What we are trying to do is this. Ask this one question. What would happen, what could happen if we took the message of culture and used it to speak a greater message to culture? And so every week, we've kind of tried to take one of these songs, you know, um, and we've tried showed like her message in the song, how we can relate to it, but then how as the church, Jesus takes that message even further, right? So that first week we talked about shake it off. How many of you can relate to that? You're like, yeah, people take me off all the time. God, do I need to learn how to shake it off, right? And so, you know, what you'll see is all of her, her songs kind of have this theme, like relationships, shake it off, but what she says is shake the people off too. And in the gospel, what we see is that Jesus, he didn't shake us off. Aren't you glad? Turn to somebody next to you and say, aren't you glad he didn't shake you off? I'm glad he didn't shake me off, right? Like he could have. I was, I was his enemy and he didn't shake me off. He shook off my sin by taking it on himself and enables me then to have a relationship with him. And so he allows us to do that as well. People that really, really get under your skin, right? The temptation is shake them off to ever talk to them again. But what we see in Jesus is no, no. We can shake off the offense but still have a relationship with the offender. It's not possible without Jesus. You're seeing that, right? Because right now you're like, I don't want to do that. Right. No one wants to do that. It's only possible with Jesus. The gospel according to Jesus is greater than the gospel according to Taylor Swift. Um, we saw last week Love Story. Uh, that was the week for all the women to go, oh, right. Um, we learned last week that all of us want to be loved. That's not a bad thing. We crave to be loved. But the truth of the matter is there's no better love story than the one that Jesus has told to us about us. That his willingness to go to the cross, that, that's the greatest love story ever. That's the real love story. And until we're loved by Jesus, we cannot realistically love others the way that he would want us to. This week, obviously, we're talking about bad blood. Um, I don't know how many of you have, have ever noticed the effect of a transfusion or an infusion. Have you ever seen the, the like real-time effect of a transfusion or an infusion? Because I have, and it all started with a Christmas gift it, it, we like in our family to call the gift of urine. Have you ever given the gift of urine? No, probably not. Um, we, I've told some of you the story. When we were pregnant with Sydney, we tried to think of a creative way to announce to her parents that we were going to have another child. And so what we thought was, hey, we'll wrap up the pregnancy test and give it to them for Christmas. It's the gift of urine because that's all their pregnancy test is, is just a stick with pee on it, right? And her mom is a nurse. So we thought this was perfect. It was creative. We're tying all these worlds together. Her mom, though, she opens the gift, she looks at it, and she's like, what? And that's when we knew something was wrong, because she's a, a nurse. Like, she's a nurse. It's a, it's a pregnancy test. Like, it's easy to read, like, pink, blue, two, two lines, one line, plus, minus, whatever. Like, big words, no. Big words, yes. It's easy to read. And she didn't understand what it was, so we knew something was wrong. We took her to urgent care, and she had to get um, a bunch of, like, they hung the bag up, the IV. They ran some, some liters into her of, of, liquid, of fluid, and that's all it took. And so we're sitting there talking to her, and as we're talking, as the new stuff's going into her body, we're, like, literally seeing her face change, her eyes become more alert. It was crazy to watch how just that little infusion of new, new fluid, of what she was missing, that changed everything about her. And that's what this whole message is about. Man, we, we didn't get bad blood because somebody made us mad. We got bad blood because the Bible says that when we were born, we were born with something called sin, and that's bad blood. And what we need more than anything is an infusion, a transfusion. And that's what we're going to talk about today. How many of you know relationships are hard? 
I mean, excluding the one that you're currently in, because it's perfect, right? Come on now. Man, don't, don't be fake. Let's be real. Relationships are hard. They're hard because you're in a relationship with a person. Like your relationship with your dog, that's good, right? Because you just walk in the house, you're like, Bella, she comes running. She, <laughs> that's, that's fun, right? Like relationships with, with a dog, a cat, a pet, that's easy. Well, maybe not cats, but let's just go with it. But people, like somebody who can think, who can talk, who can speak. Remember when you had your, had your baby, you were holding your baby, you're like, oh, I can't wait until they can talk and tell me what they really want. And then they start talking, you're like, shut up. I don't want to know what you want. And you're like, I can't wait till they can take care of themselves. <laughs> Put them in a room. <laughs> See you in a couple of years, right? It's crazy. Man, relationships are hard. Um, if it's hard to be in a relationship, it's really hard to end a relationship. And it's not my job today to kind of life coach you. Um, but I'm going to give you a little tip here, okay? I'm, especially to the guys. Guys, look at me. If you're single, look at me. Guys that are single, if you're ever going to break up with a girl, do it the right way. Text her. No, I'm kidding. Don't do that. Never, never, ever break up by text. I've brought a couple, if we can just walk through these. Um, this is my favorite, one of my favorites. Babe, I think I'm pregnant. The AT&T subscriber you were trying to reach is no longer service. You know you spelled you wrong, so he corrected it. <laughs> it's fantastic. A couple more. Um, this one, they went all cultural. I want us to be like Selena and Justin. Babe, they broke up. Okay, fine. Seal and Heidi, uh, they split up too. Jesus, okay, fine. Brittany and Justin, they split like 10 years ago. Obviously, you're not catching on. It's over, right? I mean, that's creative. This is for all the artsy people. How many of you um, love to send the pictures instead of sending the words? A very artsy breakup. Poetry. Anybody like poetry? Roses are red, violets are blue. We're breaking up because I never loved you. Right? Mm -hmm. um, while you're reading this, go ahead and check that out. Let me just say this. This, this. this one, and leave it here for a while. This one touches on one of my pet peeves. K, there it is. That was my pet peeve. You people that send K instead of OK, you save like a nanosecond, right? Um, sending I-L-Y instead of typing out I love you, what would you save? Half a second? I mean, maybe the whole world is necessary at some time, and this is one of those times when it's, it's obviously necessary. I love that. I'm leaving you. Are we to the last one? This is my favorite one. Hey, I have something to tell you. Hey, I do too. Okay, let's say it at the same time. Okay, one, two, three. Can we break up? Will you marry me? I think if he's going to propose by texting, he deserved that, right? Um, so the gospel according to Taylor Swift has a simple answer um, for the problem of problem relationships. So all of us understand relationships, they're totally worth it. They're great, but they're, they're hard, right? So there's problems in relationships. And Taylor Swift, her gospel, here's her answer for problem relationships. They just lip synced it. Now we've got problems, and I don't think we can solve them. So the gospel according to Taylor Swift is this. When you have relationship problems... Like, oh, now we've got problems, and I don't think we can solve them. We are done, right? That's the gospel according to Taylor Swift. But the gospel according to Jesus offers us something better. And it all starts with what we learned last week. The love of Jesus is unlike any love on the planet. It does something radical to those of us who receive it. So this morning, we just want to like, what does the impact of, of Jesus' love have on this bad blood that so many people seem to struggle with in their relationships. You can turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to be there the whole time. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, like verses 11 through chapter 6, verse 2. Um, I'm just going to share with you three specific things that the love of Christ does to us, okay? So, again, I want you to understand, like, we, 
we have this relationship with God, right? And so if anybody, if anybody has the right to sing the song Bad Blood, it would be God. That would have been awesome. An awesome service, wouldn't it? If I, like, I have a special guest, right? And God steps up on here, like grabs a mic and lip syncs. Um, but if anybody could sing this song, it's got to be God, right? Because we, we our sin, we'll just see in a minute, has separated us from God. Like if anybody could look at us and say, man, now we've got a problem. Now we've got bad blood. There's no way we can solve this. It, it would have been God. But what we're going to see is this. God went to such great lengths to reconcile us back to him. And, and it's this, this love of Christ is what does that. And so three things that Paul says in this passage. I'll, just read, I'll share the points. I'll just read you the verses. Um, the first is Christ's love compels us. Christ's love compels us. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, Paul wrote this. For Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all, therefore all died. Um, first thing I got to do is we got to make sure we understand, we understand what compelled means, okay? So it's a real practical, real-life example of what the word compelled means. How many of you, um, like me, love Mexican food? Raise your hand. You just love Mexican food. You could eat it every day. You could eat it for breakfast. You just love Mexican food. There's always room for chips and salsa, right? Always, always. Um, so compelled is what happens after you eat Mexican food, okay? Are you with me? Compelled is what happens after you. It's like when you fill yourself up with Mexican food, being compelled means you're so full of something that something is going to come out, okay? So like, you know, I know it's a weird, it's a weird picture, but it's one we can all relate to. Um, when dads, you know, you go eat Mexican, you get in the car, you're going home, you're like, you're tooting a little bit, not the horn, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so that's compelled, right? When you start smelling bad in the car, somebody's like, okay, who's compelled? Somebody's been compelled. So that's what compelled. When Paul says, the love of Christ compels us. What he's saying is, there's something about the love of Christ. I don't fully understand it, but when his love is in me, it so fills me that something's going to happen. Are you with me? Okay, that's compelled. Just think Mexican food, that's compelled. So here's what it does. It compels us to do two things. It compels us to do two things. First, it compels us to die to sin. Um, look at this. Verse 14, for Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. What, what is he talking about? You, can, you have to go back to verse 11, okay? And here's what he says at the beginning of this passage. He says, since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men. What it is to fear the Lord. What does that mean? Fear the Lord. It, it means when we see God for who he really is, it allows us to see ourselves for who we really are, Right? So we see him like, whoa, he's God, he's holy, he's perfect. He's like, God. And then we look at ourselves and go, oh, snap. Like, I am, I'm a sinner in need of a rescue, right? Like, do you know people that have an overinflated view of themselves? Don't those people get on your nerves? Do you ever find yourself praying to God, Lord, just use me as a vessel, right? Use me to bring them down a few notches. Like, we have an overinflated view of who we are. It's, it's just hard to see everything accurately. And so what Paul's saying is, but now that we fear the Lord, look what he says next in verse 11. Now what we are is plain to God, and I hope it's also plain to your conscience. What he's saying is God knows who we really are. And now I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that because we start to see God, we start to understand, hey, we fear him, he's God, and we're not, that we now see ourselves who we really are. No more, no more pretending to be better than we really are. 
right? That's what, that's what it calls. He calls us to, to die to sin. The, the love of Christ compels us to die to sin. Real love deals with real issues. I love that about God. He says, Christ's love compels us, verse 14, because we're convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. Something about our sin. Like the people, the people who are most on fire for the, Lord's are the, one, the Lord are the ones who are aware of what he did. Let me make this statement, okay? Because we, we get the love of Jesus mixed up with like, oh, he loves us so we can do anything we want, right? Let me be very clear. The love of Jesus does not allow him to sweep our sin under a rug. It allowed him to pay for our sin on a cross. The love of Jesus drove him to the cross. He's like, look, I love you. I'm, he was compelled by his love to go to a cross and pay for our sin. And so when we really understand what he's done for us on the cross, do you see how that changes? It, it, like suddenly sin becomes a big deal. He wants us to die to our sin. Um, how many of you, you ever are tempted to think our, our sin, like we don't take sin seriously, so we say words like this. It's not really sin. It's, um, it's a weakness. Uh, it's, a, dude, it's a struggle, pastor. It's a struggle. And hey, hashtag, the struggle is real. So back off, right? We take sin so lightly. Um, you know what the gospel of Taylor Swift says about that? They, they just listen to the, the lyrics, band-aids don't fix bullet holes. I mean, even Taylor Swift gets it. Even Taylor Swift gets like when the, when the pain is so real, a band-aid just won't fix that. Man, we band-aid the bullet hole of sin all the time. Don't preach on that. I'm trying. I'm, you know, I'm not as bad as that person, right? There's a Band-Aid. Instead of dealing with it. And so what I love about the cross is, we, and I know it's the love of Christ. I know all that. And it drove him to the cross. But the, he loved us too much to just put a Band-Aid on a hemorrhage, right? He loves us to go to the cross and say, look, a band is not going to help you right now. What you need because of your sin, you need something greater than that. I'm going to be the sacrifice for that sin. I'm going to, at the cross, give you the ability to die to your sin. It's a bullet hole. You need more than a Band-Aid. And the people who are most on fire for the Lord are the ones who understand that. I love this story in Luke chapter 7. There's a woman. Um, actually, she's like a prostitute. She's not a nice woman. And she shows up at this house, and there's a bunch of guys hanging out with Jesus, and they're the good guys, and she's the bad woman. And she dumps a year's worth of perfume all over his feet. And they're like, <gasps> how can she waste all that money? And this was Jesus' response. He's talking about like why she would do that. He said, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. Do you see that? Like when we're full of the love of Jesus, when we're, we're fully aware of what he did for us, his love compels us to die to sin. And it... it she says, but whoever's been forgiven little loves little. You ever get in moments, this might be too transparent, when you come to church and the worship's playing and the, like the bands, is, they're awesome, they're fantastic, and you're just kind of sitting there going, eh, is that too real? <laughs> eh, just doesn't move me today. It's been raining for three days. Eh, I get there. And you know what the best thing to do in that moment is to sing louder. No, I'm just kidding. Don't. The best thing to do at that moment is honestly just to get quiet. Reflect on what Jesus has done for you. I mean, just think about what he did at the cross for us. Where would you be without Jesus? And I, I, 
be in a, somewhere with a straitjacket. My brain would be jacked up. I might be dead. We don't have time to go into it now, but I was the most depressed high school student ever meet. Thought about suicide constantly. Where would I be without Jesus? I wouldn't even be here. You start to think about what he did for us. You start to take seriously what he did at the cross. It compels us to die to sin. It compels us to live for him. Paul said, verse 16, verse 15, and we die, he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. I know it sounds like such a churchy question, but who are you living for? Who, are you living for yourself? You're living for Jesus. At the end of the day, how do you make decisions in your life? How will this impact me or how will this impact the kingdom of God? Who are you living for? Man, when we're full of the love of Christ, we start to get compelled. And we're compelled, just like that Mexican food. Something's in us and like, you know, we oop, oop, didn't mean for that to come out, right? I mean, it just came out because we're so full, it just comes out. And so like, we're so full of the love of Christ that we are compelled. People go, why do you take sin so seriously? Because Jesus did. And that love fills me. I'm compelled to die to my own sin. Wait, wait, why, why will you not go see this movie with me? Are you just one of those religious freaks? No, I just, God, I just want to live for Jesus. I just want to live for Jesus. Guys, every decision we make, Christ's love compels us. Uh, second thing it does is it changes us. Christ's love changes us. We know it changes us in, just in the things we've been talking about, but let's talk about the world, our worldview. When we're really full of the love of Christ, how does it change our worldview? So Paul wrote this in verse 16. So, which is a really small word, but it just means like all the stuff we've been talking about, right? All the way that Christ's love compels us. So if that's happening, here's what happens next. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is, is, is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Um, three, three ways it changes. It changes how we see Jesus, right? He said, I used to, we used to think of Christ in a worldly, from a worldly point of view. What's the worldly point of view of Jesus? You ever talk to people about Jesus and they say this, oh, I've heard of Jesus. Yeah, he's that good guy. Like he's that great teacher, loves everybody, wore a dress, right? I mean, that's kind of, no, like he's more than that, right? He's more than that. He's more than just a good man, a good teacher. He's the sacrifice of God that paid for my sin to repair my brokenness. You see that? He's the sacrifice of God. It changes how we see the cross. It's, it's more than just a religious symbol. Like everybody has crosses, like tattoo crosses, cross necklaces, you know, like cross, cross pictures. Like ask somebody. I see you're really into crosses. Like, what's, what is the cross? Uh, it's a cross. I don't know, like, what does it mean? What's the cross? What, like, it's a cross. What, is it, what does it mean? It means it's a cross. <laughs> I just can't get it. I don't get it. I can understand it. But like, what was the cross? The cross was the place in our history when, when God made a payment for us that we could never have afforded to pay. Have you ever had somebody pay off one of your debts? Like, like we, we, um, 
when I was, we first got married, we, the day we um, had to buy a minivan, oh, worst day of our lives, um, had to get the minivan, but we had to have more space. And so we got a minivan, right? And we're paying on it. It's a Mercury Voyager. I still remember it's like maroon, like little two, you have to do like the two-tone thing because anything to make a minivan look cool, right? So we're paying on it, you know, a couple hundred bucks a month. And one Christmas, I opened up this present from my dad and inside was a piece of paper. You ever get those presents? You're like, oh God, a piece of paper. And then I read it. And it said, your van is paid off. And I was like, a piece of paper! <laughs> right? You ever have somebody pay something off for you? The difference between that and this, and I want you to understand what the cross is. The cross is not a place where God just stepped in because he's a good guy and paid for the stuff that you were already paying for. The cross is a place where God stepped in and made a payment that you'll never pay. Like You, you could, I was going to pay the car off, right? But... Now I can go eat out more. I was going to spend the money anyway because I had the money to spend. We didn't have the, the capital to pay for our sin. I mean, we were truly hopeless. Our sin did that. The bad blood we have did that. And the cross is the place where Jesus stepped in and he paid for the checks that we wrote that we couldn't cash. It's powerful. And it has the power to change us. Look, verse 17 says, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And I know I got I to get finished, but just, just think about this one question. Do you have people in your life right now that you're, you wouldn't say this out loud. I, mean, I know, we, we just think it, but you wouldn't say it. But honestly, when it comes right down to it, you're pretty sure that everybody in the world could be saved but, but them. Like when we find ourselves saying, yeah, God wants to save everybody. He can change everybody, but not my alcoholic dad. We don't understand the power of the cross. Because it says right here that the old has gone, the new has come. If a man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Like the minute that I start saying everybody but whoever, I don't understand the cross. Because the reality is, if he could save me, if he could change me, he can change anybody. And then it changes how we see Jesus, it changes how we see the cross, and it changes how we see others. It's a long sentence. I want to make sure you've got big words. Make sure you get this. It changes how we see others. So we see souls who need reconciliation eternally more than just friendship socially. You ever notice that? Like our propensity is to do this. If I could just get out of this town, if I could just get out of this town and get into a new set of circumstances and meet new people, my life would be better. Okay, it might be. I mean, I was raised here, so it's possible. I'm not going to lie with you about that. It might be. But what you need the most is not horizontal relationships. You need a spiritual reconciliation. We see people as souls who need reconciliation eternally more than friendship socially. We see that there's more than just this life. I mean, this, the bottom line of this, how has love changed us, is that when we see what Jesus has done for us, it should change what we think he can do for others. If he did it for me, then he can do it for you. He didn't change me, save me, reconcile me because I was somehow a little bit better than you. And so, God help you, I'm good with him. No, man, what he did for me should encourage me to see what he can do for others. This changes every. It changes the way we stand in line at Walmart. It changes the way we go to grocery stores. It changes the way that we go to restaurants because we're always interacting with people 
And people are always going to be souls who need to be reconciled spiritually. It's what Christ's love does. It changes us. And then the, the last one is this. It calls us. Christ's love calls us. This, this might be the biggest difference. Maybe this is where we see the difference between the gospel according to Taylor Swift and the gospel according to Jesus, right? So the gospel according to Taylor Swift would say, hey, it's great that like, you know, okay, Christ, he wants to reconcile the bad blood. So now he's dealt with my sin and he's my savior and it changes my world, right? But that's, I mean, that's as far as the gospel of Taylor Swift is going to go. But Jesus says, uh-uh, uh, all that's true. But now I want to call you to go right back out into culture. And share that same love with other people. He calls us. It's one thing for it to be mine. It's another thing for me to represent him. And so he calls us to do, to do three things. He calls us to speak for God, to speak to men, and to speak about hope. Um, he says that, verse 18, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Here's our, our, the key verses, verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though Christ were making his appeal through us. Let's just talk through that real quick. We are called to speak for God. We are his ambassadors. You know what an ambassador is, right? It's a representative. Okay, so um, President Obama calls him on the phone, right? Like, not really, but this would be awesome. So he calls him on the phone. He's like, hey, listen, Paul, um, I need to be at Sri Lanka next week. I can't make it. So I'm going to make you the ambassador to Sri Lanka for the United States of America. I'm like, Sri Lanka sweet, right? So I get on a plane. I go to Sri Lanka. And I'm hanging out. And when I step onto the, in front of the, the officials there, the leaders there, and I speak to them in Sri Lanka, which is a fun country to say, when I speak to them, I am speaking to them as if Obama was there speaking through me, right? That's what it means to be an ambassador, it means everything that we say, everything that we do represents somebody who's greater than who we are. Let me ask you this question. How are you doing as an ambassador for the God of the universe? It's weighty, isn't it? How are we doing representing him? He calls us to speak for him, to speak to men on his behalf. To speak to men of all ages, the, the, the race, the, the human race, boys, girls, men, women, different ethnicities, different economic situations. He calls all of us to speak to all of them, and he tells us to say one thing, verse 20. He says, and we implore you on Christ's behalf. We beg you, is what he's saying. We beg you to do one thing. Be Wolfpack fans. No. Panthers. No. Be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. You know what's crazy about this? Is that we spend so much time trying to get people reconciled to us, and that's not even in the message. Do you notice that? Like the, the love of Christ is so powerful that Paul says, if we'll just get men to reconcile themselves to God, that love will so fill them, it'll fix all this stuff. Just be reconciled to God. We speak to men for God about hope. 
All right, just a couple minutes to land this thing. So we've got, to land this, we've got to land this message, this whole Taylor Swift series. Um, I'm going to give you a big idea for today, and I'm going to give you like this huge takeaway for the, for the whole series, okay? So let's just start with the big idea. Um, if you're new here, big idea, this is my admission that everything I just said, you're not going to remember most of it, but if you'll just remember this, you got it all, okay? So here's the big idea. The antidote for bad blood is the love of a good God. I'm really proud of myself that I even learned how to spell antidote. Um, that was not my first guess, but thank you, spell check. Um, the antidote for bad blood is the love of a good God. So when Taylor Swift says, man, you have ticked me off and we are done, that's as far as that gospel can take you. And you'll live a bitter life the rest of your life trying to keep track of who you've turned your back on. But when the love of a good God fills you, when it compels you, when it changes you, when it calls you, the gospel works in real life relationships. How does the love of a good God change the bad blood in us? Same way it fixed my mother-in-law. Remember that story? Remember how like, that, that's, IV's fluids are dripping in and as it's going in her body, it's changing the balances, the chemicals inside her body. It's bringing back the restoration of like whatever she needed, she didn't have. Now she's getting it. She's dehydrated. Now she's hydrated. And we can watch like her color changes. Her, she's more lively. She's back. She's, in, she's re-engaged. That's what happens. And when we take our bad blood to the cross and, the, and what Jesus did on the cross, when we allow him to give us a blood transfusion, he gives us his blood for our bad blood. It changes everything. It's the antidote. People look at us and go, wait a second, what happened to you? Something different about you. Like I was, I'm watching, like I'm watching in real time. Your life is totally changing. What is it? Dude, I got some fantastic candy. That's what it was. No. Uh, my car got paid off. No. The love of a good God has changed my life. That's what Paul's saying. The huge takeaway from our series has got to be this. The best culture can do is what comes naturally to us. But that will never equal what Jesus wants to do supernaturally through us. Our culture is awesome. There's a lot of good messages in it. Taylor Swift's making some great music. There's a pretty decent message we can all relate to. But you know what? The best culture can do for us is what we can naturally do. But it'll never equal what Jesus wants to do supernaturally through us. And this kind of love we're talking about, supernatural. So just as we wrap this up, listen to this. We shake offenses off and build fences. We shake off a fence and then we build a fence, right? You got neighbors, you're like, they, I'm shaking them off and I'm building a fence so I never have to look at them again. And they're a stupid dog that takes a dump in my yard. But with Jesus, right? With Jesus, we could shake off the offense. I'm just making that up, it didn't really happen. Jesus, we just shake off the offense, but then we don't build a fence. We, we actually can embrace, we can have a relationship with Him. It's the difference between Him and Taylor Swift. We, we crave the love of a man or a woman, but Jesus wants to satisfy that craving with his love. We carry around bad blood. It taints every relationship we have, but Jesus offered his blood so his grace could paint every relationship we have. The gospel, according to Taylor Swift, is common. That's why so many people buy her music. Everybody can relate to it. The gospel, according to Jesus, is uncommon. I don't know about you, but I, I want the uncommon. I want something so uncommon, so different, that when the world sees it, they go, wait a second, you found something I don't have. And I want that. This is the message that will get the attention of culture. 
a culture that's looking anywhere for a better message than the one it's hearing now. The antidote for bad blood is the love of a good God. 